Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Thank you very much. And my wife and I, we do consider Pastor Tom, Sister Yolanda, very dear friends of ours. There's people that God brings into your life to make you a better person. And I will tell you that he is one that God brought into my life that has inspired me. Amen. That has taught me and our friendship has made me better than I was before I knew him. And this church is known for a church of excellence. You know, a lot of people around the country, we watch your services, your worship um, um, conference you do and various things you do here. And this church is known as a church that does things the right way. And indeed, it's a privilege to be here today. Amen. Now, I'm not a person that is a jealous person. Matter of fact, I'm happy when God blesses other people. But there's always one thing that bothers me when one person has too many gifts. Like I knew Pastor Mark, you know, was a gifted leader and speaker. I didn't know he sang, you know. And I knew Brother Nolan when it comes to being a student pastor and leadership there. And he's helped me a lot with graphics and technology and sound. I didn't know he played too. So after service, I need them just to pick their gift and stick with it. We'll, we'll, we'll go down the list of talents they have. And we'll just pick one. And, and that way, it'll be more fair to the rest of us. And Pastor Tom, what he was sharing was true. My family, while they were there in Liberia, my father could tell you stories. He said M16s fired directly at him when he's in a vehicle. He said rocket-propelled grenades land on the wall right above his head. Him and my brother Tessa has been here speaking before. And not ex- literally, pictures of the grenade landing in a brick wall and not exploding and how God kept them. I went to speak at a church, at least Pastor Tom didn't do this, and the pastor told the stories, and then he said, and Brother Kenneth is just like his dad. He would have gone back to that country also. And I got up to speak, and I said, I need to correct your pastor. I wouldn't have gone back. And they laughed like you laughed. I said, no, it's not a joke. <laughs> the first time I got shot at with an M16, I would have said, God, when's the next plane out of here? Thank you for keeping me today, but tomorrow I'm back in Florida. But my dad stayed there in the midst of that war, and God did mighty things and miracles and grew my faith even in seeing God's ability to protect and to keep. Good to have my wife here with me. She doesn't get to go with me everywhere. I'm always honored to have her with me, and you should be happy because when she's here, I preach shorter, and all my stories are true. So it's a blessing to the church, too. The book of Luke would be our key verse today. We'll turn to Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 9 and then Luke chapter 23. We're going to read one verse of scripture in each place. Luke 9 and 23. And the Bible says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke chapter 23 and verse number 26. And as they led him away, they hold upon one Simon a Cyrenian coming out of the country. And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And for a few moments, I'm going to speak on the topic of broken by the cross. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, to learn from your word today, to be changed by your word today, and let your will be done. We seek and we ask today, Father, we receive from you and from your glory in Jesus' name. Put your hands together one more time as you're, you're seated together at this time. 
You know, that there's something about sacrifice that makes us need to look at and say, why did this sacrifice happen? Because sacrifice doesn't happen without a purpose. You know, I grew up in a family of parents that sacrificed for us. There's nine kids in my family, and my mother immigrated from Ethiopia when my father went there in the military. My father was raised in the segregated South, amen, there in Florida, amen, without many opportunities. Uh, but my parents made it clear to us from a young age, uh, we didn't get to go to college, uh, but all nine of you will go to college. Uh, and my dad at times worked three jobs uh, just to provide for the family. Uh, and growing up surrounded by that level of sacrifice uh, has always motivated my siblings and I to say, we must achieve, uh, we must must do better our parents did not sacrifice in vain you look at the sacrifice that christ made upon the cross and i know we just went through a time of easter and you talk about amen the beatings upon his back and the spear thrust in his side and, and the thorns upon his head amen and the sacrifice that he went through amen was for a reason he did that for you and he did that for me and because he sacrificed for us he has a right to ask us to sacrifice for him. Because he died for us, uh, he has a right to ask us to live for him. And because he carried a cross for us, uh, he has a right to ask us as he did here that if any man will come after me, uh, let him deny himself uh, and take up his cross daily and follow me. We have a responsibility as believers every day to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. But the scripture says that God loves a cheerful giver. And sometimes we only relegate that, amen, to money. But I believe God wants our entire life and service for him to be cheerful. Even the act of picking up your cross daily as an honor and a joy because you sacrificed for me, I get to carry my cross for you. We live in a day and age of modern conveniences that we never dreamed of and technology to make our life easier. But it seems like we're more stressed and, and more burdened than ever before. And we get up every day, it's like we have a closet full of crosses. Uh, what cross am I going to carry today? Will it be for the ministry? Will it be for my job? Will it be for my family? We have all these things uh, that we have that burden us down. Sometimes your cross may weigh 200 pounds. The name at the top may say husband. Sometimes your cross may weigh, I'm not going to guess the wife's weight, I'm smarter than that. And the name of the top may say wife, and you just carry these crosses and begrudgingly, it's like every day we're picking which cross we want to carry. But I believe that God just has one cross for you to carry every day that serves him. And everything you have and everything you go through will fit on that one cross. You see, because he has promised he would not put more on you than what you were able to bear. Uh, but he never promised that you would not put more on you than what you could bear. And sometimes we find ourselves overburdened and overworked uh, and, and just burned out, if I must be honest with you today, by the burdens we feel that we must carry. Uh, but that's why he says, come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Uh, and God has a plan and a purpose for you. You know, one day I went to Walmart with my dad. And we got done loading the groceries in my car. And, you know, the corral that the cart's supposed to go to was the other side of the parking lot. So I found a nice, safe spot to park my cart next to the curb and got in my car to leave. And my dad says, we can't leave the cart there. 
We got to take it back over. And I said, Dad, it's no big deal. They'll come and get it. He got out my car, and he pushed the cart across the parking lot. Well, now I'm a better person. I take it back now, too, so don't judge me. <laughs> but we were in Panama City, and I was speaking the next morning, and I got up, and I told that story. And I said, you know, my dad spent 22 years in the military, 31 years as a missionary. He's a person of order. He's a person of structure. And even such a little thing as a cart had to go back to the right place. Then the next week I was speaking in Tampa and my dad was there and I told the story again and I talked about how he was just a man of structure and order and he just taught me even little things. He had to have that structure and order. But about a month later, my dad said to me, says, you know what? I wish you had never told that story. And I said, why? He goes, you know, I've always taken the cart back and never had a second thought about it. But now I'm like, well, I guess I better take it back. People might be watching. They heard the story about it, and they're going to expect me to take it back. And I took from my dad what was a joy and made it a duty. And sometimes that happens in our walk with God. Uh, we come into the house of God, and we serve God with joy. Uh, we serve God with a smile on our face. Uh, but as time goes by, and we take up our cross daily, and we follow him, it becomes a duty and something that you have to do. And that's not God's will for your life. Uh, what God has called you to do, he wants you to do it with joy. Uh, he wants you to do it cheerfully. He wants you to say, because you carry the cross. For me, I will carry a cross for you. But we read the story of the crucifixion. And I fear sometimes we, we fast forward too quickly to what Christ went through uh, because we know the end of the story, uh, that it was laid in the tomb, uh, but he rose three days later. We know the end of the story has joy uh, and purpose uh, in the midst of the pain, uh, but sometimes it would behoove us to slow down a little bit and point by point uh, and see what Christ went through for us, uh, brought in as an innocent man, uh, accused, uh, a man, and, the, and they refused to be set free by the crowd uh, until finally he was sentenced to die upon a cross uh, and they beat him across his back uh, 39 times with a whip that ripped it open they, they put a crown of thorns upon his head uh, until it bled uh, and he went through so much and, and he knew what was about to happen uh, that was why in the garden he cried and said father if it's possible let this cup pass from me this bitter cup but nevertheless not my will but let your will be done and finally the final stroke against them, indignity against them. On the way to the top of that hill, nailing him upon a wooden cross. They required him to put the cross upon his back and carried himself to the top of that hill. The cross that he was going to die on. The cross that he was going to be nailed to. The cross he was going to die on for me and you, he was forced to put it upon his back and carry it to the top of that hill. Just as almost inhumane something about it. You know, back in the old days, my mom used to spank us with a switch. I know, don't tell what you call it here. You know, Department of Children or Families, whatever you call them. Don't tell them out here in California for sure. Amen. But she'd tell you something like, go pick a switch. Amen. Because I'm going to give you a spanking. But then she learned, we come back with the smallest switch we could find. So she said, go, go pick a switch for your brother. We pick a tree up and bring it back, you know, for somebody else. But it's just something about carrying your own punishment. 
to the top of that hill. But the Bible says on the way, he was weak. He was bleeding. And somehow, some way along the way as he carried that cross, he got to a point where he physically could not go any further and he fell to the ground. And the cross he was carrying broke him and he could go no further. In that moment, when Christ fell to the ground, I believe the birds stopped singing. I believe the sun was not so bright. I believe the disciples stood there in shock. And Peter, James, and John said, we gave up our fishing career for it to end like this on the side of the road with our Savior bloodied and bleeding and carrying a cross. He can take no more and cannot go another step. Matthew said, I gave up my tax collecting practice. And this is where we are with a Savior that's bloodied and bleeding and broken by the side of the road with a cross he can no longer carry. Now, none of us like to see our heroes in this position. None of us like to see our heroes on the side of the road being mocked by a crowd, uh, carrying a cross uh, that they can go no further. His destiny was up ahead of them. And we don't know how far away it was. Was it a matter of feet? Was it a matter of yards? How far was it to the top of the hill for that destiny? But here he was broken short of the place he was destined to be. Uh, You see, because the Bible says he was the lamb that was foreordained before the foundation of the world. It was his destiny to be on that cross and die on that cross. But here he was broken by the side of the road, bleeding and couldn't go any further. You see, the Bible lets us know in the beginning was the word uh, and the word was with God uh, and the word was God uh, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, That Greek word for word means logos uh, or the thought or the mind of God. Uh, What that lets me know is that while the hands of God were in the dirt molding Adam, uh, the mind of God was making a lamb to redeem fallen Adam because of his sin. Uh, That lets me know that even as Christ, I mean, as God was making Adam with all his potential, he knew he would sin. He knew he would fail. And the lamb must come and die upon the cross for the sins of Adam and Eve. But the lamb that was purposed to die for him was now by the side of the road with the cross he could carry no more. Amen. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak and he could not go one more step. So here he was by the side of the road. Peter, James, and John, you want to sit on the right hand of God. How dare you not go help him carry that cross? Mary, that's your son. Nobody moved to help him carry the cross. And many times in life, uh, when you find yourself broken by the cross that you carry, nobody comes to your rescue. People don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. It's easier just to act like it's not happening and ignore what someone is going through than it is to come to the rescue. But here he was, supposed to be up there. Supposed to be up there dying for my sins, uh, dying for your sins. uh, But on his way to his God-ordained destiny, he found uh, himself uh, broken by the cross he was given to carry. 
The cross was not his fault. The cross was part of his destiny. And in the flesh, I got to believe he said to himself, this is why I said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I knew this might happen. I knew I might not be able to make it. I'm supposed to be up there. But I'm stuck down here. And I asked myself, why did this happen to my Savior? Because, see, we don't want to see our heroes broken by the side of the road. You know, when I was a kid and you watch Superman and they'll put kryptonite on him, he become weak like everybody else. No, I don't want my superhero to have kryptonite. I don't want Captain America to lose his shield. I don't want Iron Man to not have his suit. I want my superheroes uh, to be super. But you know why? He fell by that side of the road because the scripture says uh, he was tempted in all points just like you and I, but yet without sin. If he did not fall by the side of the road in a bloody heap with no way of how to make it to his God-ordained destiny, how would he understand when your marriage was a bloody heap by the side of the road? How would he understand when your business was a bloody heap by the side of the road? How would he understand when your life got to a point to where the weight of the cross that you're carrying has now press you down unto the ground where you cannot go another step? How could he understand what you were going through if he did not go through that same experience on the way to his God-ordained destiny? If my wife puts up with me for a few more months this year, we'd have been married 30 years this year. But there were times in those 30 years, especially in the first part of those 30 years, I tell people all the time when they say to me, say, Pastor, my marriage not working. You know, I need a divorce. I say, how long have you been married? It's not seven years. You, you, just, you just need to work through some things still. Let's just sit down. Let's have some counseling. Let's see what the issue is. But it's, it's too early to come to me with that. Amen. You get, you get some time to get to know each other. But there were times in our marriage that we find ourselves in a bloody heap by the side of the road. and looked at each other and said, what did I do and who did I marry? Uh, but you know what? God worked it out that we came out with our marriage stronger. We came out with more anointing. We came out, amen, amen, uh, being each other's best friend even more. We went through the test of time because we're on our way to a destiny that God had ordained uh, for her and I. As a business owner, I got to a point one time in my business. I started in 2008, and God blessed my business. We did uh, three Super Bowls for the NFL, worked with Walt Disney World, and life was good. Uh, but in 2013, I made a very bad decision on a job, and it seemed like I woke up overnight over $300,000 in debt uh, and did not know what I was going to do or what was going to happen. My own pastor, my lawyer, everybody said, your only hope is to declare bankruptcy and 
and walk away from this business and just get a job somewhere. There's nowhere back from that. And I'm not here to criticize many reasons for medical and other purposes have to declare bankruptcy. So please don't understand. I'm not criticizing someone for that. Uh, but I was just too stubborn to do that. And I just held on and I just trusted God. Uh, and believe it or not, just a short while later, we were debt free. The business was restored. God had worked it out even more business than ever before. How was that possible? I come to tell somebody that you find yourself in life sometimes a bloody heap on the side of the road and the enemy mocks and he laughs and he thinks he's destroyed you. He's destroyed your ministry. He's destroyed your future. But God has more for you to do on the way to your destiny. And Pastor Tom, I, I really worry sometimes that this is why we lose so many of our young people. This is why we lose so many of our new converts. Because they come in and they think they're the only ones that's been a bloody mess by the side of the road. Because when you look at your superheroes as always being super, when you go through what they went through, the enemy says something's wrong with you. You're not living right. You can't make it. You know, we don't prepare our young people. Now, my wife and I, you know, as we have three girls, and I got our first granddaughter, and I'll admit I spoiled them rotten as best as I could. You know, but my wife and I, we gave our kids experience in a life our parents couldn't give us. And nothing wrong with that. Give your kids the best life you can give them. But don't shield them from the harsh realities of life that every believer, every young person must get to a place to say, I will take up my cross daily and follow him. It's not always a flower bed of ease. It's not always in the way you think it will. That sometimes you'll find yourself on the side of the road broken by the cross uh, that you are carrying but we serve a God that will make a way out of no way we sang earlier what a miracle worker he is uh, that he can make a way that he can open doors and God has to get us to that place sometimes uh, so he can get the glory see the biggest problem is the one thing you try to shield new converts from you. It's always like, well, I got a visitor coming today. Hope Susie don't run the aisle. Hope nobody speaks in tongues. The one thing you try to shield your children from, God has a way of taking them right through that valley. When the rich young ruler came to Christ, he was ready. So I, I pay tithes. You know, I fast every Monday. I go to prayer meeting. It's what I'm willing to do. But the one thing Jesus said, sell what you have. And give that one thing that you don't want to give up. The one thing <laughs> that means the most to you. The one thing uh, that you fear the most. That's why Job said, what I have feared has come upon me. The one thing you think I'm not willing to go through that. <laughs> it's a very thing that sometimes God requires you to walk through by faith. I told you I grew up in a family of nine kids. And I decided young. I was not going to be a preacher. God called me to preach at the age of 12, but I said, no, no, God. I'm not going to be a preacher because preachers are poor, and I don't want to be poor. I don't know if we were poor because my dad was a preacher because we had nine kids. I don't know what the reasoning was. But I, I was accepted to law school, and I was going to be a rich lawyer. You say all lawyers aren't rich, uh, yet the, but the ones that won the lie, cheat, and still, I know they're rich. I was going to do whatever it took to be rich. But the night of my high school graduation, God called me back to the ministry. 
and told me to cancel my plans to go to law school and to go to Bible college. And I went to Bible college, uh, but for the first few years after Bible college, um, years of my marriage, uh, amen, every time the enemy touched my finances, uh, amen, I got mad at God and said, God, that's why I didn't want to be a preacher. I didn't want to be poor. And I went through a trial one time, six months without a job. I got up every morning for six months, put my tie on, and went to look for a job. Uh, Amen. And I couldn't find a job. And I was getting madder and madder at God. Uh, And the low point for me, it might sound dumb to you, I was in a grocery store with my daughter, and she asked for a $3 box of cereal. And for the first time in my life, I did not have three extra dollars. I had barely enough money to pay for what was in my cart. Amen. And no more money in the bank. And I could not afford an extra three dollars. And I I cried in the grocery store because I was mad at God. Grown man with tears running down my face saying, God, this is why I did not want to become a preacher. But you know what happened in those six months? My wife made half as much as I made. But every month, the mortgage was paid. Every month, the cars were paid for. Every month, the lights stayed on. And as time went on, I don't know how it happened, but somehow, some way, in that entire six months, God took care of us. And when that trial ended, ever since then, when the devil touched my finance, I laugh and say, devil, the same God that brought me through before, the same God that picked me up from there is the same God that's going to bring me through next time. Because as long as you have that one thing that you don't trust God to bring you through all the devil has to do is push you down on the side of the road and you turn around and walk from God but when you know I have a God that can bring me through you see I have a foolproof plan to keep firefighters and policemen safe let them go to work and show up in their station and never leave fires happen all over time well that's dangerous out there. I'm not going to go. 911 calls come in. No, I'm not going down that part of town. And I guarantee you they'd all be safe. But that's not what they're supposed to be doing. And I can guarantee you, if we kept you here with what you feel this morning in this service and let you live in this building 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you'd be safe too. Right now, you're feeling good in your walk with God. Right now, your faith is high. Right now, you feel like you can walk on water, but God did not save you to keep you in this building. God saved you because there's people out there that need to feel what you feel, need to know what you know, need to have what you have. There's a lost and hungry, dying world out there, and that is why Christ had to go through what he went through. Your pastor said you've been talking about love reigns, and love is the only thing that can get you from a bloody mess on the side of the road to your God-given destiny. See, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Not he kept on giving. That was love that got him from there that said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. If it wasn't love, what would have made him climb upon that cross? Uh, It's love that could bring my wife and I through 30 years of marriage. It's love for God that has you get up. uh, Amen. When you've gone through life, all hell has broke through and things just got worse. But something inside of you say, I love him because he first loved me. It is love that must reign to get you. To the place that God would have you to be. You see, part of the challenge that we have 
is that the scripture warns us. He, it's not a bait and switch. He lets us know you must take up your cross daily and bother me. Follow me. He lets you know that if you want to know me, you've got to know me in the fellowship of my suffering, not just in the power of my resurrection. We want to know God just in the power of his resurrection. But what about the fellowship of his suffering? What about those in Hebrews chapter 11? We get to heaven and we're walking with them and they begin to tell us about women received their dead and raised back to life. Others were tortured, refusing deliverance uh, that they may obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings and bonds and imprisonments. They were sown, sown. they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword uh, of whom the world was not worthy. They went through that for the kingdom of God. We're walking and saying, so brother, what happened to you? Well, I was boiled in hot oil. I was cut in half with a sword. I was fed to lions. What did you go through in America? And one time the pastor didn't even shake my hand. I was in a hospital. He didn't even call. He let someone else sing the solo I was supposed to sing. You know, my car wouldn't start and I couldn't come to church. We had it rough in America. Amen. I talked about Liberia with machine guns and rocket propelled grenades. Amen. Suffering is a part of our walk with God. Suffering is a part of what binds us together. It doesn't tear us apart in other countries and other cultures. Believers go through so much and they count it as joy that God has counted them worthy to suffer. But somehow here in America, we think we have a Teflon-coated Christianity that's never going to have a trial and a tribulation. But I'm glad I serve a God that can bring me through. I'm glad I serve a God that can make a way. I'm glad I serve a God that no matter what mess I get in, if I did it to myself, if the enemy did it to me, if someone else put me in a trap, God can bring me through anything. I don't have to worry about how I got to where I am. I don't have to worry about what other people say about me. But I know a God I serve is able to take me when I've been broken by the cross that I'm carrying, the very weight of that cross has pushed me to the ground and I, and I can't go another step. And, and I'm short of the destiny that God has called me to. I know I'm supposed to be up there. But right now I'm down here. To read in scripture, what happened? Man from North Africa named Simon. History says he was an olive farmer. He came by. He was compelled to lift the cross of Christ and carry for him the rest of the way. You know, and God will send Simons into your life. And we all need Simons in our life that can help us carry the cross we can't go any further. We need to be a Simon for someone. You know, history tells us Simon was an olive farmer. Probably on his way to town to sell his olives. And to me, olives mean two things. You know, when you wave an olive branch, it's a sign of peace and not war. And olive oil always symbolizes the anointing. I look at Simon as being a man of peace and a man of the anointing. And in your life, God will send in the midst of your storm. God will send an anointed person to bring peace into your life. To speak peace into your life. But you know what I, I wonder sometimes? Because keep in mind, Christ was a sinless Messiah on his way to die for the sins of you and I. But there were two thieves, criminals, thugs, that were also carrying a cross up that hill. When they compelled Simon to carry that cross for Jesus, I don't think he knew who it was. It was just a bloodied man by the side of the road. It could have been a crook, could have been a murderer. 
You know, and sometimes we're not willing to help people until they show they're worthy to be helped. But God forbid that the Simon that helped you waited for you to be worthy to be helped. Waited for you to see if you deserved another chance. But in that moment, when Simon picked the cross off our bloody Savior, I don't believe he knew if he was a sinner or a saint. He was just a man that could go no further with a cross he needed help to carry. And Simon picked up the cross of Christ and carried it to his God-ordained destiny. And I come to challenge you today. Now, some of you today, you need assignment. Some of you today need to be assignment. Let's not pass people in life that don't look like us, that don't dress like us, uh, that don't smell like us, uh, that don't live where we live. Uh, let's be assignment uh, to a lost and hungry world that's being broken by the cross that they carry. When we say the name Simon in the Bible, a mind automatically goes to Simon Peter, the apostle that preached that great message on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people were saved in one day. And Simon lived today, and he preached one message, and 3,000 people got the Holy Ghost and got baptized in one service. He'd be preaching general conference that year because of the times. N-A-Y-C, he'd be Friday night N-A-Y-C preacher. But which Simon had the most impact on the world? The Simon Peter that we all know that preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 were saved of the Simon of Cyrene that picked up a cross off a broken Savior and carried it up the rest of the way. No one ever heard his name again. He didn't go down in fame. We find later his two sons, Rufus and Alexander, became deacons in the church. Makes him believe that on that journey up the side with Jesus that he found out he was a Messiah. And Jesus spoke to him. And as he was carrying the cross of Christ, he also became a believer and took it home to his family. And they became leaders in the church. But who had the most important job? Simon Peter that preached on the day of Pentecost or Simon of Cyrene that carried the cross for Christ so he could die for the sins of you and I. No one wants to think about your Savior in a bloodied heap by the side of the road with a cross it could no longer carry. But he knew that one day you'd find yourself on the side of the road. You'd find your marriage on the side of the road. You'd find your life on the side of the road. And the enemy looks at you and says, well, Pastor Tom, Pastor Mark, oh, they're perfect. You know, you could never be like them. Sister Ash, you could never be like those people. Who are you to think you could be saved? <laughs> Who are you? Look at where you're from. Look at your criminal record. Look at your credit report. Look at the mistakes you've made. Look at the lies you've told. Look at the websites you've visited. What makes you think that you could be saved like they're saved? But I come to tell somebody today that in your Christian walk, it's not all about the mountaintop experiences that sometimes God takes you through some things and it's part of the growth. But he's promised, I would not put more on you than what you're able to bear. If he puts you through it as a the song says he can bring you through it. Uh, he has a way. He has a plan. Don't be discouraged. Say, God, thank you that you count me worthy to suffer with you. Uh, and I may feel broken right now by the cross. Uh, I just need a Simon. 
that could come alongside of me. Amen. And lift the cross and help me make the word I'm going through. Don't be so proud that when Simon comes along, you lie and say, I'm all right. Don't be so proud that you pick yourself up and your marriage up as a bloodied heap at home. Scrape yourself into the car with the kids and you ride to church in stone cold silence. Mom and dad don't say a word to each other and the kids are afraid to talk and hit the front door of the church with your smile. Praise the Lord, everybody. And your kids say, I thought you were mad at dad. Yeah, that's when we get back home. We're in church right now. Be willing to say, Pastor, I'm being broken by the cross. Say, Pastor, I'm going through some things right now. I need a Simon to bring some peace and some anointing in my life. As we stand together right now, August 4th, 2019, probably the worst day of my life to this point. I'd just been in Tampa in church, in my home church, had preached. Flew back to St. Louis, and I was on the phone with my dad leaving the airport, just talking about everyday things. My dad was in Panama City, Florida. On the phone with my dad, my sister beeped in several times and repeatedly. So I said, I don't know what's going on, but my sister keeps calling. Let me just see what she needs. I click over to her calling, and she's crying. She says, Kenneth, I don't know what's going on, but it's Tim. I said, what's going on? My brother that lived in Panama City with my parents. She said, I just got a call from a nurse friend of mine at the hospital in Panama City, and she said, I'm violating HIPAA right now. I should not be calling you, but your brother was just brought in by ambulance. It looked like he's not going to make it. We don't, I don't know what happened. All I know is they pulled him out of the water. Well, you and your family to get here as soon as possible. 40 years old. Get here as soon as you can because he's probably not going to make it. I called my dad right back, and my dad is so confused. I'm in St. Louis. He's in Panama City. He said, Dad, get Mom. I got some bad news for you. So what's that? I said, it's Tim. He's at the hospital. He's probably not going to make that way. He, I saw him this afternoon. He just left here just a couple of hours ago. What are you talking about? You're in St. Louis. How do you know this? I said, I, I don't have time to explain it to you, Dad. I said, but when my sister called, somebody at the hospital called her off the record to let her know what was going on. About that same time, the police knocked on the door, and they said, we're coming to give you some bad news, your son. They thought at that point he already had passed. He didn't make it. And my, and, my, and my dad was like, my, my son is telling me, how your son already knows it? He's in Missouri. And, and I said, so then I'm driving down the interstate, and I'm crying while I'm driving. You know, my heart is breaking. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I'm just, I'm just crying. And as I'm driving down the road, uh, amen, and I just talked to my brother the day before. No one's always going to. So my mom says to me, I need you to pray for your dad and I right now. And I'm thinking to myself, pray for you. I need somebody to pray for me. But I said, Mom, I'm driving. Let me just get off on the next exit. Let me just find a parking lot, and I'll pray. The exit was right there. I get off on the exit. Random exit in St. Louis. Pull in the first parking lot, and I look in front of me. You know what the sign says? New Life United Pentecostal Church. And in that moment, I felt like God said to me, you're not alone. United Pentecostal Church is with you. Now, I look through my wheelchair, and right in front of my car stands Aaron Bachelor, the pastor. I got to say, Aaron... He was by himself. Nobody, I said, stay there. I need you to pray with me. I don't have time to explain all. Just stand right there for a few minutes. And luckily, he listened. I got back in the car. My mom said, oh, you went to a church. No, mom, you don't understand. I didn't go to a church. I got off on an exit. I would have pulled into a McDonald's. I would have pulled into a parking lot. I would have pulled into a tire store. I just got off on the first exit that I could find. 
in the first park that I could find, and in the first place I could get to, amen, it was a, it was a United Pentecostal church and a pastor waiting in the parking lot for me. You know what? At that moment, his name, he was a Simon to me. Because I would not have been able to pray for my parents if it had not been, amen, for that sign of that church and that pastor to be waiting for me in the park. I got out and I told him, he said, we don't even have a Sunday night service. First time ever I had a leadership meeting on a Sunday night and everybody else left and I had some stuff. I would have been gone a long time ago. He said, but I stayed to do, and I was walking to my car as you drove up and you told me to stop. But you know, in that moment, in the midst of my turmoil and my grief and my pain and my parents' pain, how do you lose a 40-year-old son and a 40-year-old, how does that even happen? You know, he's healthy one minute and gone. How does that even happen? But God just showed me, you know what? You're there broken by the side of the road, but I've got Simons. I've got Simons on duty. I've got people around you that, yeah, you go through some things that you don't expect to go through, but I'm still God, and I, and I still have a plan, and I can take you from that broken, bloody mess, broken by the cross, and I can take you to the top of the hill where your destiny is. It don't matter who you are. It don't matter what you've done. It don't matter what you're going through. God can take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. And right as they sing, they got some spots here for you to come forward and pray. Don't be proud. Don't hang back. Don't worry what people think. So husband and wives need to come down here and hold hands. You haven't held hands in a while. Come down here and say, we're here and we're going to make it. We're here and God's going to open the door. We're here. We don't know how. We don't know when. But God didn't bring us this far to leave us. If he himself was by the side of the road, broken by the cross, there's no shame in what you're going through. Stop making the devil have you feel guilty because of what you're going through and blame yourself for your situation. Christ himself was broken by the cross. He was carrying. There's no shame in your suffering. Let the Simons come beside you and lift you and take you to where you need to be be broken but like Micah said rejoice not against me oh my enemy when I fall because when I fall I shall arrive get back up again be broken but get back up again be broken but keep moving to your destiny understand God has a plan and God's going to bring you through and God's not going to leave you broken by the side of the road He's going to take you to the destiny he has for you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.